You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Walker Mail back here in the studio, actually here from the uh, 7.30 The Game ESPN Charlotte studios, but... We do want to give a shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte, where we usually record these podcasts. But again, Doug and Nada very busy, so they're not going to be here with me today. So Doug and Nada currently working in that Gittimer.com studio in Uptown Charlotte right now. We want to give them a shout out. And if you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So again, I mentioned it, Doug and Nada. Not going to be here today. I apologize for the schedule that's been going on for this podcast. It's been crazy. I had a couple of days of vacation on Monday and Tuesday, driving back Tuesday. Um, And then ACC Media Day has taken all my time. College football media days are crazy. It's not quite as crazy as SEC Media Day. But ACC, getting a lot of guys to talk to, a lot of the players that will be playing this 2018 season, a lot of the coaches, some you're familiar with, Dabo Sweeney, um, David Cutcliffe for Duke. A lot of good interviews there as well that we had on 7.30 the game, but still uh, a busy a busy schedule. So the schedule for the Locked On Hornets podcast now, it will still be Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we won't get Doug and Nada back on next Tuesday, but we should have the entire gang back together on Thursday. Going to give you guys a pod here Friday because, again, I couldn't do it yesterday. So, again, no Doug or Nada, but we hope to get the band back together on Thursday. Uh, I'm conflicted on what I want today's show to be. I don't know whether I want to give you the 18th best Charlotte Hornet of all time or not. This is where I think I get the most excited about this list starting with this particular player. So we're at 18. I really liked Hersey Hawkins at 19. Love me some Hersey Hawkins. I didn't get any criticism back from anybody on Twitter, so I feel like everybody else liked Hersey Hawkins as well. But I feel like we've got another good one in 18. And better yet, I feel like we enter another tier in 18. There's just some separation to me in all the Hornets players, all the Bobcats players we've talked about in the past. I, I feel like we go up a little bit with 18. Maybe we don't make that significant jump until 17. I could see that. Maybe it's just my love for this guy, but I feel like we enter that range. I, I want to give it to you guys, but I also want Doug and Nada here as well. Despite Nada being a wild card, he's going to criticize, call me an uncultured savage. I still need it in my life. I don't know what it is. I've gotten used to it. I still want it. And then Doug can back me up, and then I can pin them against each other. They can be my little puppets that I make dance. And that is so easy to do to get those guys. I know Nada on the last show called Doug his frenemy, which is perfect. So maybe I can get those guys against each other. So you know what? That's what I'll miss. So I think I'm going to do that. I'll hold off until we're at full strength. That way Doug can give us his 18th best beer in Charlotte history, which, by the way, is totally unique. It's totally, completely original. Nowhere to be found on Google. So he'll give you the best beer. We'll put in, we'll pin Nada and Doug against each other once again. Let those guys go at it. Maybe Nada will call me an uncultured savage. Maybe he'll say he actually agrees with it surprisingly. We don't know. But we'll wait until Thursday to give you the 18th best Charlotte Hornet of all time right after Hersey Hawkins was named as the 19th Hornet of all time. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, by the way, and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets and on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Lockdown Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. So what we'll get into 
today is James Borrego's comments that he shared with Jerry V on his show on 730 The Game ESPN Charlotte Thursday. He had some good comments about Summer League, including the rookies, specifically talked about Miles Bridges, what he showed us. We got some audio to play for you here in just a little bit. But also maybe what we can expect from Devontae Graham's injury. He said he's going to give us an update, or at least he expected to hear something by today, Friday the 20th. We expected to hear something, at least he did, on Devontae Graham's injury with that condylar lesion that everybody and their mom was looking up, trying to figure out what in the hell is exactly a condylar lesion. Everybody became an expert on what it was, but we have no timetable. It's weird. It's a weird injury. We haven't heard of it a whole lot. We're all Googling it. We still don't know the direct timetable that we're going to get. So hopefully we do get some good news on Devontae Graham and when he could potentially come back. And suddenly point guard becomes... Pretty interesting, right? It's always been interesting. But suddenly, Devontae Graham, I should say specifically, becomes more interesting than even what we thought he'd be after his good play at Summer League. So James Borrego, as I know the guys talked about on Tuesday, James Borrego joined Adrian Wojnarowski on his podcast. And he discussed Tony Parker's specific role that he's going to have with this Hornets team. A little surprising. 12 to 14 minutes, they said. James Borrego said that Tony Parker, that his role would be with this Hornets team. That's low. I'm surprised to hear it was only 12 to 14. Here's a guy that wanted a specific role with a team. I believe he had a quote like, I don't want to be a coach yet in my career. He still wants to contribute to a basketball team as a player, not just be a coach, not just be the locker room guy, even though that's going to be one of his factors here. But he wanted to play. And so 12 to 14, I, I think it's fine. And may, it doesn't seem as low as you think, but in reference to this, to put it in scale for you guys, Michael Carter-Williams played 16 minutes a game last year. He appeared in 52 games, but you got to remember, this is a guy that was injured a little bit, played in, 60, and played in 52 games and played 16 minutes a game. So you're talking about Michael Carter-Williams playing two to four more minutes a game than what Tony Parker is going to play. It, it's low. It's low to hear a guy that still wants to have some kind of niche as a player in this game. And to hear Nada and Doug bring up the point of Malik Monk possibly getting some run at the point guard position, I think I'm past that. I don't know if anybody else is. Like, I, I love his vision. I, I'm, I'm cool with him playing the two. And maybe maybe you can play some backup point guard. I, I, I would rather him just kind of stick at the two. But maybe you see that. But also, it comes full circle here with this Devontae Graham injury. Uh, hopefully, we get an update here today sometime. But Devontae Graham, I really do think he's going to be in the mix here, which is crazy to think. It, y you look at what they did. Mitch Kupchak and company sent two second-round picks out of Charlotte in order to go up and get this guy. They apparently had a, a first-round grade on Devontae Graham. He lasted number 34 overall. The Atlanta Hawks select him. And the Charlotte Hornets, they go up and they get their guy. It shows that they want him. And it shows, especially with Summer League, you're almost validated, at least with just the handful of games that he played, you're almost validated, at least for the time being, in going up to select him. And with Tony Parker playing 12-14, to 14, I, I get their point, Nada and Doug's, about playing you know, Malik Monk at backup point guard. That's certainly a, a very realistic possibility. But I read more into that as... If Devontae Graham is healthy, man, that boy's playing. <laughs> like, Devontae's going to get some run. I, I think 
especially with what he did in Summer League, man, look, it's something that, you know, Nada and I have been drooling over what he did as a second rounder, you know, not understanding that he's not going to come in and change the face of the franchise, but it's somebody, and we've been starving for a backup point guard here in Charlotte. Tony Parker, not even just being the locker room guy or, or just being old, but it's just, you know, his plays declined a lot. I mean, do we expect him to come in and average more than the seven points per game, eight points per game he did last year? He's not a very good shooter. You know, he, it's a guy that's game's constantly been in the paint where he's been able to do some misdirection. He's not even been the most athletic guy, but he constantly finds his way to get in the paint. And is, is that something that ages well with him? I think we've seen evidence that it hasn't been. So I, I'm cool with him playing the 12 or 14. I was just shocked that it was going to be that low. And yet I, I think that means we're going to get some run for Devontae Graham. So interesting to see what James Borrego is going to do with their second round selection in Devontae coming out of Kansas at that point guard position. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and fantasy sports. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about Devontae, a little bit more on Miles Bridges, and what James Borrego's comments were with Jerry V that he had on Thursday the 19th. We'll play some of that audio that we have for you. We have a, a few quotes. We have a few uh, bites that we want to play for you here today on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Stick around. I'm Walker Mail. We'll be back in just one second. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but... Is that, is they, that the they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night they didn't have to take with them to New Orleans. Get more Hornets analysis on lockedonhornets.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail again, filling in for all three of us today. Nada and Doug swamped, so they've got some extra work to do. But again, it will be me for today and the next podcast on Tuesday before everybody gets back together to talk some Hornets on Thursday. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month. You can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get double entries into our contest, and you can get access to content before anybody else does. So patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Let's continue the point guard conversation that we were having before the break. Tony Parker, again, a guy that's just going to get 12 to 14 minutes, according to James Borrego, who appeared on Adrian Wojnarowski's podcast. And then that made me believe kind of more Devontae Graham is going to get a legitimate shot to get some real rotation minutes. And then James Borrego talked about it on the Woj pod about him and Kimba Walker maybe closing out some games. And then he came on the Jerry V show on Thursday the 19th. He talked about the fact that those guys might just be closing out games together. Here's what James Borrego had to say to Jerry V. You know, even though I want to play fast, Jerry right. V, mm -hmm. In the fourth quarter, we know that the game does slow down. You, you can say all you want, I want to play fast, but the reality is the last three, four minutes of a game, possessions slow down. You have to execute in the half court, and having a guy like Tony Parker that has been there to execute in the fourth quarters is huge for us. And this is a team over the last year in Charlotte that has really struggled in fourth quarters. They've been in games 
But how do we close games now? That's the biggest thing. Where can we make the biggest step next season is in those fourth quarter, final four or five minutes, can we close? And having a Tony Parker there that has done this at a very high level throughout his career is a real luxury for me as a coach and for our team. So, First of all, I love the ability to adapt for a head coach. Like That comment comes in, we know James Borrego wants to be a guy that runs up and down the floor. And I think everybody finds that as an attractive style to run. But the fact that he has the presence of mind to mention, look, we get how the NBA game is played. I've been with the Spurs for a long time. I've been a part of winning basketball for a long time. The bottom of the line is I'm going to up the tempo a lot to go on for the first three and a half quarters. But at the end of the game, when you get to that four-minute mark, the game slows down and it's inevitable. So this makes sense to bring in Tony Parker at this time. And then he brings those fourth-quarter woes up. Look, we all know well, well here in Charlotte that the Hornets have struggled mightily in the fourth quarter. And Borrego alluded to it there. They've been in games, but they have not been able to close anything out. Now you have someone who has been a part of winning basketball who comes in at the end of games, and despite maybe not being able to run all over the place the first three and a half, three and three quarters of the game, then you do have somebody that can finally maybe use all of his energy at the end of these games to help Kimba Walker close some things out. And James Borrego has this in mind. I like this guy with a plan. You know, again, we, we can get into the contract. It might be a little too much for Tony Parker, but again, it's not an, an immovable contract. It's five million each year. I'm cool with it. I the twelve to fourteen was a little surprising to me, but when you hear James Borrego talk about that, it does make sense. And Borrego's a guy that's just winning me over. I think he's winning everybody of Charlotte over to hear something kind of exciting. And again, you do have somebody from the pop tree, so it is pretty attractive, but interesting to hear him talk about what you might have in Tony Parker and what you might have in him running with Kimba Walker at the end of games. Another area of focus that James Bray, who talked about with Jerry V the other day, was that his guys are absolutely going to play defense. Uh, you know, our, our group will play defense. This, this team historically has had a, a pretty solid defensive effort overall. Um, you know, I come with a background of defense. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be a defensive team, number one. And if we do want to play at this pace, the best time is to do it off of stops. And like you said, deflections, turnovers, rebounds, off we go. That's the best time for us to go score is when we're creating turnovers or we're getting stops. Um, and that's going to be our most efficient offense. So, yeah, we expect them to play defense, and, and in turn, that will uh, help our offense. A couple questions I think you have to ask about this. Just trying to figure out where each player fits into James Borrego's vision. I think, and with Nada saying that Billy Hernan Gomez potentially could start, and I like Billy as well, and I think Nada brings up some good points in this previous show that we just posted. But to me, Cody Zeller is the better defender than Billy is. So, I mean, we, we saw even in Summer League against lower competition, Billy had some problems trying to defend in the post. And then you put together a smaller lineup out there. I just think it's going to be too much to handle for Billy Hernan Gomez defensively. If you want to try to put an offensive lineup out there that can stretch the floor, plant Billy in the corner, kick it out to him, and have an effective three-point shooter, that's where I think you have some value and some rotational minutes for Billy. But defensively, man, it's just not going to be like what Cody Zeller can do. And by the fa and by the way, you know, Cody Zeller much more mobile than what Billy Hernan Gomez is. So to me, I, I look at that first. I look at Billy kind of trying to creep up a little bit in summer league, making a name for himself and, and doing well and deserving a lot of credit. 
But defensively, Cody Zeller going to be much better, I think, and has just the ability to run the floor like that and, and be involved in that transition game. I think the more intriguing question comes to MKG. Where in the hell is MKG going to fit here? Because here we have Borrego discussing the transition game, which offensively even MKG can play pretty well. Like we know MKG can run the floor well. We know he gives you 110% as far as the motor goes. We know that he can go inside and can finish. I'd like him to dunk a little bit more, as a lot of people I think would. But it is a guy that can be effective going to the basket and scoring in that regard. The guy can't shoot. We all know what it is for MKG. But offensively, that is his game. It is going to the bucket. So if you are trying to, what I heard there, create a lot of deflections and some chaos on the defensive end and that lead to your offense, man, MKG makes some sense in that regard. And, and I maybe tried to write off MKG as a guy that just doesn't fit in Borrego's system, and I still think that there is a huge question mark about that where Borrego wants to shoot threes. I know he's talked a lot about Nick Batum, but defensively, Maybe there is a role for MKG to come in and help deflect some passes. It, maybe JB just has something to do uh, with um, uh, MKG. I'm not going to say resurgence, but maybe there is something where MKG can contribute to this team. Of course, the player that everybody is most interested in, including myself, maybe outside of Kimba, but you have Malik Monk. Malik Monk is someone that played just one game in Summer League this season after having his entire summer taken away from him last year one game balled out we all were drooling I was drooling everybody loved it he was awesome he dominated he looked poised he showed vision the guy just gave you everything you could possibly want out of him in that one game that he played and here's what James Borrego said about what he liked about Malik Monk not just in summer league but just as an overall player when he took this job with Charlotte well I liked Monk early I mean we saw him in that first game um, obviously, we didn't get to see enough of him because he got hurt after that first game. But I liked his aggressiveness. I think we saw the flash of what he could be for us offensively. Um, this is a dynamic player that has worked extremely hard this summer. Um, he can fill up the stat sheet quickly, uh, especially when he gets hot, you know, like he did in that first game. Um, you know, we could be a very dangerous offense. So I liked what I saw from him game one. And there's no doubt about it. He, he is dangerous. He was dangerous in the Milwaukee game that we saw at the beginning of 2017-2018 season. We saw Malik Monk in that Milwaukee game very early on, and we all got excited, and, and deservedly so. It, it shows you the ability that he possesses in this NBA to be a microwave, somebody that heats up where you just can't stop him. He had an incredible second half. And you want to be more consistent. You just don't want the low of lows that you got with Malik Monk last year. And the guy is a rookie. It, it, it's crazy to me that with, with people that write these guys off so early. There was a problem with Malik. These guys can have problems that come into the league. But I, I love bringing up the C.J. McCollum example. Because that guy struggled the first two years in the league. Before now he is considered to be one of the better players in the game. And especially if he's over here in the Eastern Conference, and C.J. McCollum is a legitimate all-star. It's just that the Western Conference is stacked right now. If C.J. comes over to the East, then you're talking about this guy making an all-star team. And the first two years of his career, coming out of Lehigh, it took him a long time to adapt to the NBA competition. Malik Monk comes from Kentucky, where he balled out and was one of the most exciting players that I've seen come out of Kentucky. And that guy was so much fun to watch. And I love to say it all the time, I was doing the Carlton dance when Malik Monk was drafted by Charlotte. So I, I like the ability. James Borrego likes the ability. It was obviously a selling point from Borrego to Cupcheck and Cupcheck to Borrego 
in him getting this job here in Charlotte. So Malik Monk going to be a big part of this thing. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Malik Monk is going to have a huge part of the Charlotte Hornets in 2018. And finally, we get to the rookies. We mentioned a lot about Devontae Graham. Here's Borrego on what he saw from Miles Bridges and Devontae. Bridges was impressive. I think he got better every single game. He got more and more comfortable, especially with a young guy like that. I was impressed that after every single game I left there going, he got better today. And I think that's that's a characteristic that I'm looking for in these players. Can they get better? Can they grow? Are they coachable? And I think Bridges is that type of player. Um, you know, I like uh, Devontae Graham. I think he showed his, his, his savvy, his, his leadership on the court. Um, you know, he got injured, but I think there's something there uh, as our third point guard. Yeah, crazy, right? Third point guard. I think he's going to get some rotation, but uh, rotation minutes, uh, some, some significant rotation minutes as a second-round guy that we just haven't seen any kind of contribution from a second-round player really since you know Jeffrey Taylor and maybe Dwayne Bacon last season. Uh, that you saw some, but again, Steve Clifford didn't play him a whole lot as as time went on. And then Jeffrey Taylor, you saw some contributions from him as a second rounder, and then he had some domestic violence allegations go on against him, and then he eventually was just out of the league, and nobody wanted to do that. I mean, the, the talent did not outweigh the risk that you have with Jeffrey Taylor. So we haven't had, at least yet, a big-time contributor as far as a second rounder goes, drafted by this individual team, and maybe you have two now with Dwayne Bacon and certainly Devontae Graham. Going back to Miles Bridges, I completely agree with everything Borrego said in the regard of him getting better. And every single game, I felt the same way. I thought he played better in Game 2 than he did Game 1. thought he played better in Game 3 than he did in Game 2. And by the end of it, you've got SportsCenter giving him some love with some Summer League dunks that, one, he did throw down, and two, he tried to. That ridiculous, I'm going to do a 360 and try to pull a T-Mac on somebody, throw it off the backboard and slam it, that would have been insane. It would have. Everybody would have lost their mind had he actually came up with that. People did lose their mind on Twitter for him even trying to attempt it. It was so crazy. That's the stuff you like. He can dunk on you, man. Like he's always had that kind of athleticism. And honestly, particularly focused on his ability to dunk. I I have a lot of question marks about his defense still. I there's guys that are driving by him, and this is summer league. It can absolutely be coached up, but there are some defensive liabilities right now. His shooting is not great. I, I don't even look at shooting a whole lot in Summer League just because these guys are coming in try to make a name for themselves. I, I, I want to get them settled into an 82-game season where they start to be more comfortable. I, I think he's actually going to be an okay shooter. I, I don't worry a whole lot about the shooting. I just worry about the athleticism, him creating his own shot. I did see some better handles from him in Summer League, so maybe that's something that can, t- continue, uh, can continue to be worked on. There's still some question marks, but I will say this. like The, the third game or the second game where Miles Bridges got 20 points, whatever it was the first time he got 20. He was not very efficient, and he wasn't very efficient in the other games either. But I, I just people were more impressed with that, and I just really wasn't. Like I got more impressed as, as the summer league went on. I, I completely agree with JB in that regard, that Miles Bridges did certainly improve as the league went on, and you can only hope that he does that at Chapel Hill. And uh, also when they get to the regular season, once October rolls around, you hope you continue to see a lot of development from Miles Bridges. We appreciate you joining us today here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. One more segment to go before we come back. I'm Walker Mail. You're listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, Funny. did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay. <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Good sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. 
I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Oh, hot shot, Myers Leonard. Patrick O'Connor tweeting at us uh, with Myers Leonard being mentioned as a guy that could possibly be moved from the Portland Trailblazers. Hot shot, Myers Leonard. It's catching on. Love the nickname. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail. Got some news breaking outside of the Charlotte Hornets. We've got a couple of things going on in the NBA world. And I haven't had a chance to give my opinion on the Kawhi Leonard trade that just happened this week. I didn't have a chance to do it on Tuesday, so... Here we go. I, I finally get a chance to talk about Kawhi Leonard getting traded to the San Antonio Spurs and also today, or I believe last night, uh, on the 19th, Carmelo Anthony was traded to the Atlanta Hawks. So you have Kawhi getting traded to the Raptors this week, as well as Melo getting traded to the Hawks with an eventual buyout, of course, taking place. Carmelo will be a free agent, and then he'll get to choose where he wants to play. Most presumably the Rockets, who are the leader right now, maybe he wants to play with the Lakers with Carmelo. And uh, who knows where Carmelo, Carmelo could end up. But we do have a couple of those stories to talk about. So Kawhi Leonard going to the Toronto Raptors. You want to talk about the Eastern Conference, which, of course, the Charlotte Hornets just happened to reside in. It brings one other star player here on the West Coast that they've been really starving for. At least you have Kimba. At least you got Giannis. You do have Porzingis when he comes back healthy. But it's a crazy slew of talent what you have in the West. They lose one now in Kawhi. They gain one in DeMar. So they, they at least they, they stay neutral with DeMar. But East gets a little bit more on the scale with Kawhi Leonard. That trade I'm surprised about. Like when, when I first heard that the Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs were discussing some kind of trade, I did not expect the asking price and the eventual return to be that low for Toronto. It's a risk for both sides. I, I'm not calling the Spurs a loser in this regard. But when I first heard that, I'm thinking, okay, Kawhi for DeMar DeRozan, that's the one thing we all know about. And when the players were not released yet, I'm thinking they're going to be getting OG Ananobi, who was a, a rookie I'm very high on. They're going to be getting I, I, maybe a Fred Van Vliet, uh, one of those guys that made that bench so dangerous last season, and possibly a pick. I, I was thinking a massive haul that the Spurs were going to get with just a guy kind of thrown in. But it goes to, and with the Spurs maybe to just kind of match salaries or whatever. But it goes to show you how big of a risk it is taking Kawhi Leonard. And I'm just surprised that the Toronto Raptors only had to give that much up. So in the trade, they got rid of DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a first-round pick that's not even unprotected. It's it's not even mid-protected. It's heavy, heavily protected, 1 through 20. So if that pick does not go through this year, if the Raptors pick in the top 20, then it turns into two second-round picks in 2020 which is ridiculous, 2019, excuse me, which is just ridiculous. So I'm surprised to see that the Raptors were able to get Kawhi in that regard, and I love it in what Toronto did because Jakob Pertl is never going to be an all-star. He's going to be somebody that is maybe a solid starter, certainly can help you on the bench, but I just don't think that a plan B in flaming out is all that bad of an idea. So the Raptors, they shake it up big time by trading DeMar DeRozan away. You've tried to go get over the hump with the Raptors. They weren't able to do it. 
You trade away DeMar DeRozan, a star that can't shoot. This narrative that he had improved the shooting so much was kind of a lie in the fact that he didn't even shoot his career high from beyond the arc this season. Took more attempts, but did not shoot his career high. Still a guy that's shooting 32% from three. He's still a mid-range guy. So you ship him out. You get a different style of player and just, quite frankly, a much better player in Kawhi Leonard when healthy. And you give it another go. You have Kyle Lowry. You still have a ton of young assets. You still have a, a good bench. You just signed Fred Van Vliet, the six-man-of-the-year candidate, to what is, I think, a decent contract. Maybe he continues to develop. I like where the Raptors are right now. I, I killed them for firing Dwayne Casey because I think it was a change just for the sake of change. This is not. I think this has a real motive. One, you're, you're getting Kawhi, who is a top-five player in the game when healthy, certainly close to it. But also, let's say that Kawhi does leave in 2019. That, that's cool with me because then you don't have DeMar DeRozan's contract on the books, which, by the way, is three more years left on it with an ungodly amount of money. You only have Kyle Lowry, I believe, on the books for one more year. So then you don't have Kawhi's contract. You don't, you may, if you don't re-sign him, then fine. You don't have that money tied up in him. You don't have Kyle Lowry's money tied up in him. Kyle Lowry's already 34, by the way. Then you start to rebuild. It's, it's worse to rebuild too late, certainly, than it is to do too early. And I think if Kawhi leaves, they're doing it right on time. I, I did not like the move Yajiri did. Trading, or excuse me, firing Dwayne Casey. Love this move for the Toronto Raptors. For the Spurs side, I'm okay with it. You get an all-star in DeMar DeRozan. I would have liked to have seen them go after more young assets. The Boston Celtics, the L.A. Lakers, I think could have given them a better package. Even the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, could have given them a better package. Yet, here Pop is, and, and R.C. Buford, they pulled the trigger on Toronto. I think it was a fine deal for both sides. I just think Toronto comes out as, as a team that I'm, I'm more pleased with what they did because I think it was such a smart move to do that in the Eastern Conference. And real quickly, before we end it today, Carmelo does get traded to the Hawks and he'll buy out. I would think most certainly he's going to a contender with that being the Houston Rockets. And really, I guess that's the only team that he could go to because certainly not going to Golden State. He certainly wouldn't be going to Boston in my eyes. I would think Houston is the leader. The LA Lakers make some sense to me. Both teams in the Rockets and the Lakers have a member of the Banana Boat crew. That's what makes it make sense in that regard. You have Chris Paul with the Houston Rockets. You have LeBron James with the L.A. Lakers. Both guys I think Carmelo Anthony could play well with. It's a guy that is never going to buy into a role of coming off the bench. He scoffed at the idea when asked it in his introductory press conference. Like, the guy's just not going to do it. So if he's going to start, then maybe you just plan him out on the three-point line, allow him to jack up threes. Hopefully he shoots 36%, something like that. And he's able to be an effective basketball player. And then you get some versatile defenders, right? I mean, so Carmelo's not going to defend well. Maybe you just ask him to give effort on the defensive end and say, in return, you can just jack threes. It fits our analytical style here in Houston. And then we'll get somebody else to try to pick up the slack on the defensive end. And you just guard the worst offensive player on the perimeter or in the post or wherever. And maybe that could work for Houston. Maybe you could find some value in Houston doing that. And still finding, you know, Carmelo can still score. He's still a useful player. It's just if he's in the right role. It's all about getting Carmelo to buy in the right role. And again, if you go to the Lakers, I think LeBron, if, if he can't play well with LeBron, then he's not playing well with anybody, right? So you might as well try to maximize the best opportunity that you can to see what Carmelo Anthony can, can maybe at least do and to become an effective basketball player in 2018 and 2019. And real quickly, OKC, they dump a lot of salary now. 
So instead of having to pay the luxury tax bill they were going to with Carmelo's contract, they now save $70 million against the luxury tax bill. And they add Dennis Schroeder, which is known to be a locker room killer. Like He is, is a guy that in Atlanta was not a good locker room guy. I don't know how well that's going to work out in OKC. Maybe there's somebody that still believes in his talent enough to go after the fifteen and a half million deal, fifteen and a half million dollar contract is bad, but you know it's a small price to pay. I think to save seventy, sixty million dollars against the luxury tax bill. That'll do it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search Locked On Hornets. Again, no Doug and Nada on Tuesday, but we will be back together on Thursday. You can expect a podcast, I promise. You can expect one on Tuesday. Thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.